You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Worship really has everything to do with uh, the limitations of man. And I just, uh, it, because it's the mystery of eternity and, and, and the world, you know, the beyond. And, and so when we worship and we have this vastness of who God is in our worship, it reminds us of our limitation. I, just, I find worship just so exciting. So Today, oh, by the way, I'm Chuck Kennedy. I see a couple of people that don't know who I am. I'm not the senior pastor here. He is on mission in Costa Rica. He'll be back next week. I think. You know, he goes to Costa Rica. I don't know if I'd come back. <laughs> so, and today's going to be my final installment on identity. I've done two uh, sermons previous on identity this month. I think it was this month. And so, uh, this will be my final installment on it. You know, I had a. There's, you know, really, we're just touching the service on this, by the way. Uh, three sermons. You could, you could go for a whole year on a, a, a thing of identity and hit each little point. We're trying to just touch some bases so that you have a general sense of really there's more to us than what we seem to capture. That the that our forgiveness of sins is as stunningly and marvelous as that is, is the beginning step. That, if you want to put it in a baseball or football parlance, is that's the kickoff. Now that the games begin. Or the lighting of the torch for the Olympics. It's that's the beginning point. That just says you've arrived. So let's really come into who we are in Christ. That's funny. I, I was discussing this sermon with somebody. And uh, he kind of just joked and said, he goes, oh, so you think everyone's going to be changed now by this? And I felt a little funny. I thought, I felt a little tiny bit defeated. And I thought, oh. And part of me wanted to say, yeah. And but part of me then went, Oh, kind of, I can't remember what my answer was. Kind of like, it couldn't hurt type thing. I want you to take a moment right now as we get ready to pray before the sermon starts. The answer is yes. Because I don't have any power to do anything. The Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit has guided me in what to speak today. And the Holy Spirit can change you. In one day, I was altered like I've never been changed before. And I believe that can happen. So... It may be a renewal of someone who's fully in Christ that didn't realize where they were in Christ. And I'm saying to the answer to that question, yes, someone can be fully changed today. So we're going to pray about this. Father, we're just saying yes to you. Yes, we receive who you are in us, and we ask you, Lord, to reveal yourself to us and your plan for us and the vastness of your power and authority that you're going to release through us. We are your kingdom people. We are your children. And we have come to you as your children, not as beggars, but we come with, as part of a family that is now in union as one. We thank you, Lord, for this. And we're going to ask, let this, let the speaker be blessed I come with fear and trembling because no one wants to, to change the word of God, but I ask you, Lord, come to us with great wisdom, great knowledge, and then move us with the Holy Spirit to act upon it. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's do a real short mini-review of what we already did. So, we just discussed we're more than forgiven. Um, you know, we had breathed into us life of a restored image and purpose at the creation. Remember, we talked about that, how the apostles, when Jesus met them, and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, and then gave them a command to, to, to make disciples. We forget sometimes he made that command that early. We always remember right before he goes up to heaven, but he did it right before he, as soon as he returned. The other thing, Jesus is the basis of our, our, our new, new identity. We participate in his life, in his death, his resurrection, and ascension. We participate in it completely. And it's caused in us a radical and permanent eternal change. And that we must accept. That is who we are in Christ. We've been transformed through revelation, through revelation by then knowing, then belief or faith. Then we come to a new self-awareness. And then from that point, we surrender. And we talked about if you surrender first, you find yourself trapped in a works-based or a uh, law-based religion. Because you're not sure what you're surrendering to why and those things we surrender a little bit later in and then it's it's so natural we surrender out of complete love it's god let your way be your way through me and then we know who it is we also are participated in his ascension and so by participating in his ascension he has drawn us into heavenly places with him and remember we went through all those different verses there was a lot of them we were surprised i think most of us how many places that God says that you are to ascend with me. He lifts us up and invites us to share in his glory and to participate in his divine nature. In essence, Jesus didn't form a model for us. He formed a model of us. And so if we're restored in Christ and share in the new Adam, then the question is, how should things change? How should our walk change? And so we know how originally it was with Adam. Remember, it was good, it was good, it was good. Adam, it was very good. And so he, was, he had all authority over earth. He was to subdue the earth. So his, plan, his command was, you got, the, you got an area called Eden. I don't know if you, I don't, let's call it a country. An area called Eden. And in the center is a garden. And it's the Garden of Eden. And so he was to make the whole world Eden. He was to subdue the world. And so God gave him all authority. We see that authority when he names all the animals. Because in the Hebrew, naming something was more than just tagging a title on them. It was a taking ownership and control. So if I name a child, I'm taking responsibility, control, and authority over that child, just as Adam named everything. So then we have the scene in the garden where there's a serpent. And by the way, just so you think about this, Adam named him. He named the serpent. He had authority over the serpent. We forget that sometimes. So anyway, so then there's the fall. We were just talking about this morning. I said, the Lord was just impressing on me 
one little verse of what he said to Eve, it kept resounding in me, probably some childhood nightmare, but it was, what have you done? That's what he said to Eve. And I just thought, wow, how ominous would that be if the creator of the universe, the God of glory, just looked at me and said, what have you done? I'd have been hiding, I think, too. But then he, but he had a plan from the very, very beginning. 4,000 years, though, passed. 2,000 to Abraham, then Abraham to Jesus. And 4,000 years later, our favorite phrase, but God. But God. And Jesus comes on the earth. And of course, Jesus comes on the earth and it confounds and confuses the whole world. Here is a humble servant Messiah that does not seek to destroy the, the reign of Rome or restore the temple as they knew it. He seeks to reign from the inside. And I think it's so important we hear this. He doesn't tear down your bondages. He doesn't take away all your problems. He doesn't make you perfect and then enter you. He enters you with an invitation, you accept, and he enters you and transforms you from within. And he does the same in our community. Do you remember the Old Testament, how Jesus kept putting himself in the middle of the camp, constantly saying, I am your God, you are my people. Transforming from the inside out. He didn't wait till Israel was perfect to join them. And so, so Jesus is this model that we're going to go with. As a matter of fact, Satan was fooled. And so he saw what he thought was a weak, weak man and thought, I can destroy Jesus and be done with it. Because what you're forgetting is, we think that he was trying to destroy Adam and Eve. He wanted the authority because when he took it away, when Adam and Eve fell, that authority went to, was transferred to him. He now has all authority over the entire earth. So the animals respond to him, and Adam had lost his authority. And so now Jesus comes on earth. Now, Jesus doesn't have the authority over earth. Satan has that. But he has the authority of the kingdom. And so instantly we see a clash of kingdoms and a spiritual warfare right away. Mark does it better than anybody else. He says, immediately, quickly, suddenly. It's boom, 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 boom. Jesus is moving through. And what we see is something that we oftentimes overlook. Authority. The authority of the kingdom comes into clash with the authority on earth. So if, I think one of the best ones is during the temptation of Christ. This is where... He had three temptations. I'm going to talk about just, just the, one, the middle one. It says, if you, if you look at it, he, he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all of this domain, which means authority, and its glory, for it has been handed over to me. I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall be yours. Now, think about this. At this point, Satan's not lying. He does have the, all the authority of all the earth. But I want us to take, the Lord revealed this as, as a different to me. I've never heard this before. So if you haven't, this is me. 
he's, I was, I was, Jesus is not just saying it is written and putting words out into the air. He is pointing directly to Satan and responding with God's word, with authority. He says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he's speaking this directly to Satan. I want you to see that confrontation. Because he's questioning if you're, he's the son of God. And now he's letting them know, I'm letting you know who you're going to serve. That was a confrontation that was powerful. So many times we think of Jesus as Tab Hunter or something. Going around like, ah, God. Jesus was a powerful figure in his day. Why do you, he was extremely powerful because of the authority he carried. He carried the, the authority of the Father. Because Jesus was, again, modeling us to him, uh, through him. And he wants us to carry this authority. And so, it's interesting because uh, he was saying beforehand, the kingdom is near. Then, shortly after his baptism, and you know, have the point where John gets put in prison. John's ministry has ended now in, with him in prison and Jesus has begun. Now he says, the kingdom is at hand. Meaning, his hand. Kingdom has come. And there's a new sheriff in town and we're about to, to, to make some changes. I thought it was, it was it's interesting. He, Jesus would exercise both power and authority. Now, power is used to conquer. Authority is to rule. So we understand the difference. And power is, t tends to be more creative. It, it makes something out of something. It, it, power can do something. But authority, it rules. And, and so because it's a little more judicial in nature, when, you, when we look at the, this next verse I have, it, you'll see a little bit something that I think is really interesting. It says, He came down to Capernaum, a city in Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were amazed at his teaching, for his message was with authority. When's the last time you got really amazed by authority? I mean, in the synagogue there was a man possessed by the spirit of, of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Let us alone. What business do you have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in the midst of the people, he came out of him without doing him any harm. And amazement came upon them all, and they began talking with one another, saying, What is this message? For authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. With authority, Jesus commanded, and the power was subdued. It's authority that makes, it, makes the difference in the Christian life. It's power, they are gifts. And Jesus never reneges on a gift. And he can give you power. He gave Satan power, and Satan still has power. He gave Satan authority, then withdrew his authority. 
Satan has no authority. So what he's showing is it's something that's given in a relationship. Authority is relational. Now look at when he, when he sends out the 12. You remember what he starts off with? He summoned his 12 and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. As you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. In authority. He doesn't tell them to get into a power battle. Authority is what they have. Then he sends out the 70. That's in Luke. It says, the one who listens to me and the one who rejects you, the one who listens to you listens to me. And the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. He's talking about the, the line of authority. The 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Why would Satan fall like this, like lightning? He just realized something. This, this Jesus, he knew who Jesus is. And he knew to kind of stay away from him for a little while. But now it's spreading. First the 12, now the 70. The authority of Jesus is being passed on. And so this, I mean, this really is scary. And Jesus is trying to impress just how intense and how much authority they have. Do you remember the fig tree? That was in, in Matthew. He goes, sing a lone fig tree by the road. He came to it and found nothing on it except leaves only. And he said to it, you shall now, you shall, no longer shall there ever be any fruit from you. And at once the tree withered. Seeing this, the disciples were amazed and asked, how did the fig tree wither all at once? And Jesus answered and said to them, truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, it will happen. And all things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. This is all about authority. You're, you're, you're not, you're not, this is not about power. He's not, you're, he doesn't say, you're going to have the strength to lift up. He said that thing's going to respond to your beck and call. You say it, and, and it's going to respond out of the authority through him, through Jesus. Because of your faith, in other words, your, your closeness and your, your relationship with him. Now, we all have mountains. I don't know if he meant a pile of dirt, mountain, mountain. Or if he meant mountains that just seem insurmountable things in our life. But either way, Mount Rainier, you got tax problems, you got health problems, you got any other kind of problem, work problems. It doesn't matter. We need to speak with authority into it. And repeat it and speak it. Sometimes it doesn't happen the very first time you speak it. Because the level of our authority is based on our relationship with Christ. And so sometimes our relationship wavers. Mine does at least. And maybe you're better than me. But maybe yours just keeps getting better every day. But I hope so anyway. But 
But what Jesus was talking about there is something that was going to happen very soon. Notice it was future tense. You will. You will. And so when Christ was crucified, it said that he descended before he ascended. He went down and basically said, give me the keys to the, to the kingdom of earth and took them from Satan. And then the power that, that rose him from the dead is the same power that's in us. And then Jesus then, the most, one of the more famous lines, or verses, says the eleven proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw them, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, always to the very end. This is the official transfer, if you will, of all the authority of Jesus to us. This is, you have just been deputized, kingdom, sheriffs. You have now the authority of all of heaven. How many times does Paul have to tell us we have every spiritual gift of heaven? And it's the authority is the biggest one. He talks about gifts in chapter uh, 12 and, and all through, actually, through Corinthians. But he talks about those gifts. We have those gifts. But we have the authority of God. The authority that will bind that will subdue, that will cast out, that will tell something to leave. That's authority. And then when authority is rebelled against, that's when God comes with power. But we have that authority in Christ, and it's relational. So how to, that's what a lot of people forget, is if it's relate, relational, then how, do we, how does our relationship with Christ build? How do we get closer to God? Now, first of all, before any of you say, I don't have any authority because my relationship's kind of shaky. If you're here, you're about a seven. We, we do this all the time. Oh, God doesn't love me. Yes, he does. If you've received Christ and the Holy Spirit dwells on you, at the very minimum, you're at least a seven. So, end that part right now. You have tremendous amount of authority that most of us have never used. I know I'm just learning to sometimes use my authority. It scares me sometimes, disappoints me sometimes. I go, oh, geez. You know, then I start getting the guilt trip. Oh, why didn't it happen? I'll explain that in a second. Let's just do it now. The reason it sometimes, every time we use authority, the future kingdom, the end time, smashes into the present time. And this is God's, it's God's authority. It's not mine. Now, when I use authority... I'm speaking directly to that object to whom I want change. I'm not speaking to God. And I call out the authority of God. Now, something that's extremely important, those famous words, in the name of Jesus, that's not magic potion. You don't go abacadabra, name of Jesus. Okay? What we're doing is we are then referencing all the power and its source that that authority is coming from. So when we say the name of Jesus, you know I've talked about this before. I try to picture all that Jesus is and have that come into my mind as I'm making that command. And because I have no power, but Jesus is, has unlimited power. 
you know, Jesus never healed with an intercessionary prayer. Because this goes back to our identity. Where are we in Christ? Spiritually speaking, where are we? We are sitting with him in the throne of heaven. Spiritually speaking. Our prayer, our authority is a direct line from there directly to the, to, to the point that we're going to. Whether it be an illness, a healing, or something of that nature. It's not going up and then back down again. Jesus went direct. He always healed as a man under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Just as we are men and women under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He, 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 he emptied himself of his, of his glory when he came on earth. So we really need to capture this and understand God's listening and then responding with us. And why he responds sometimes and why he doesn't, it's his authority. It's his, it's, you know, it's, what do you say, it's, it's his sandbox, I just get to play in it. But it's more than that, because the relation is something very different. And our relation with Jesus is totally, if you want to have a great relationship with Jesus, try obedience. I don't know, anyone has a great relationship with disobedience. It, it's obedience is where we come into our relationship with Christ. We can say, I believe him, but when we don't do it, that means you don't. And every mother in here knows what I'm talking about. Did you hear me? And then, they'll say, yeah, I heard you, Mom. Well, then why aren't you doing something? Sort of, that's, that's simplistic, but still. If we believe, but see, we're not doing anything that God's asking out of, out of orders, fear, or, it's because we love God. And we love each other. If I truly believe that that person that's standing out there in, on the street is a beloved, created child that God is seeking fervently, then my move to him in love and compassion should be natural and my obedience should flow from that. But if I think, I don't know, good job, buddy. Well, offer him a job, but do it in love. Come with a heart that's different. I... I'm as bad as anybody else. But it happens. I'll tell you something that's really amazing, though, is it strengthens your faith and relationship with Christ to be obedient to him. It, it, it just keeps getting blessing over blessing on, on top of it. And so then when you walk in authority, it is a powerful authority. We have authority to heal. Now, I always... I'm a, the training I've had with the vineyard, there's three levels of healing, spiritual, soul, and physical. And you may be speaking to someone who has a physical ailment, but they've got damages in the spiritual area, the soul area, and the physical area, and you're speaking into them as healing possibly, well, I don't believe there's any such thing as a healing prayer that doesn't have an effect. It's, maybe, it's touching the soul area the, or, or the spirit area. Yes, it can touch the, the physical area. And, and it doesn't have to happen instantly, although it does sometimes. I've, you know, does anyone here know who Mark Marks is? He's, he's a vineyard pastor that's in Ireland. And he's been to the uh, conferences in 
Urbana, whichever way that is. And uh, we, I've, we've seen him do healings and stuff there. He's been there about 20 years. And uh, he talks about this all the time. It's, and matter of fact, it's interesting. He's been there 20 years. He said from the time these kids are little, they start talking about identity in Christ, identity in Christ. He said it's in their DNA. And he says now they're like 20-year-olds. He says they're walking in such power, it's unbelievable. And but, but this is... But this is an area that he always has talked about is, is we must walk in the authority that God has given us in our DNA. And that it's in our obedience that the authority keeps rising. Why did Satan lose his authority? Overt disobedience. And it, his, he just keeps weakening and weakening and getting uglier and uglier. So... And here's the, the really, really good part about this is obedience is a decision we make. The Holy Spirit has given us the power over sin. We learned that already in our other classes. We have the power over the disobedience of God. That's how I, you know, some people say you missed the mark. I look at it as disobedience to God. If God asked me to do something, and I know in my heart what he meant by that, and I try to parse it into saying, well, he didn't say do all of that. Yes, he did. So that's where, that's where you miss the mark is where you start trying to parse what God's led you to do. And so instead, we're in obedience. And there's probably not anyone that was more rebellious than I was and I've never made more. Well, I've got a sister that's pretty close. But, you know, I don't know if it's because I was born in you know, mid-50s and that was kind of like our, our thing our generation, everything had a challenge, everything had to be in rebellion. But, but I was very rebellious. But what I found in Christ, though, was this is not an issue of do this because I tell you to. It's an issue of do this because I'm leading you to because I love you incredibly. And he never leads us into something that's not for our benefit. The world is full of challenges. The world is full of problems. And he's not going to make you miss all of them. What he's going to do is he's going to make you deal with every one of them so that as you move through, the other thing that's part of his relationship is his peace. And so as you come into the power of his authority, you come into the power of the authority to bring peace. That's an authority issue. So you cast out chaos, rebellion, and all those things, and you bring in the serenity which becomes your peace. So that in the middle of the hurricane, when everything is going crazy, you have authority to say, stop, and things around you change. And your perception of what is real changes. You put back on the eyes of God, because what is truth? Reality is through God's eyes. So you put back on the eyes of God and now you see things and you say, this is really not that big a deal. It's di uncomfortable. It's disappointing. It's a lot of things, but this is not the big deal. The big deal is me, God, relationship. Boom. And God, he keeps opening his heart to us. I mean, it's in Corinthians 2. It said we have all, he's taught us all knowledge, and all words that we have the mind of God through the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. We need to speak in authority. There are a lot of people that, that we know 
that need healing. There are a lot of people we know that would love a powerful word spoken into them. And, and we have the resources, the, the living God that created everything that we sometimes tamp down because we may look silly. I mean, God, God invented giraffes. Who looks sillier than that? I mean, I mean anyway, I'm just, I'm, what I'm looking at is how, how many of us here have ever really walked in authority on a consistent basis? I'll do it upon occasion. Maybe you went to a conference in the, after the conference was over. Yes. Then you got back to work. Uh, a lot less. What's interesting is where I, I work in the car business and uh, we, we started a little tiny, right now it's three people, a little prayer group that we start every day I work with. And since I started this sermon group, that's all we talk about. Because the workplace wants to destroy your authority. Because they want to impose the world's authority so that you'll do, you know, what they... And we've got to maintain our own authority. And that's what we pray about, who we are. We declare we're a child of God. We declare that Jesus died for me and has passed all authority onto me. That we're not like the sons of Sneva. That was, I think it's the name of it. Do you remember the one I'm talking about? They were casting out demons, but they had no authority. They had the power. And so they were casting out demons, and all of a sudden one demon comes up and goes, wham! Just blasted them. Knocked them silly. They ran off. So they ran off naked. I don't know what the deal with that. But anyway, so authority is so different. See, Satan, Satan tries to get you into power encounters. He wants to convince you you have no authority. And then you, you say, well, I have the, this power, that power, because the Bible tells me so. He goes, try it on. But you don't come with authority. He, he invites you into battle because he knows that you'll feel frustrated. But when you come with authority, he, he has to flee. He has to flee. Because he doesn't have the reign or rule on this earth. So, let's, let's look at one last verse. And then, I, then we're gonna, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to spend some time in ministry of actually praying with one another for healing. And they're going to, we're going to have one more uh, hymn, prepare yourself, and then we're going to do this. But I want to read this last one, just to make sure you understand. Jesus has everything under his feet. He's, he's in control of the whole show. It's, it's from Corinthians 15. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits after those who are in Christ at his coming. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to, to the God and the Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. For he has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it is evident that he has accepted who put all things in subjection to him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him, so that God may be all in all. What's important here is 
the present tense of verse 27. He has put all things under his feet. He has it. There is nothing that Jesus does not have full authority and power over. Nothing. Not in this entire cosmos. Anywhere. He has authority over every ray of light. The movement of every particle within an atom. All authority is his. And he's earned it with his death on the cross for us to pass that authority to us to make a kingdom on this earth full of disciples because we have brothers and sisters that need, need more brothers and sisters. We always remember this. When we look at our gifting, when we look at our calling, when we look at all the things that we do, the ultimate mission is to make disciples of all. If what we're doing in our religious life isn't directed in that direction, then what we're doing is self, giving ourselves pats on the back. Maybe we make ourselves look better. Maybe we're trying to, until we're moving in a pattern that's always in the path of making disciples, we're off target. We've got off the rail somewhere. Now, making disciples doesn't mean you have to be an evangelist necessarily. It may be you're the first one when someone who's first starting to decide on these things that gets counsel. You may be a great counselor. You may be a teacher. You may be doing a lot of things. You may just be a witness at work that, does, that lives a life like Christ asks you to live. And everyone goes, you are a little different, aren't you? And you say, I hope so. <laughs> Hopefully that means a good thing. The authority to change and accept. All things under his feet. I, Graham Cook, I, I just love what Graham Cook said. He said, we are far too passive toward the majesty of God. I don't know why I like It's just because it doesn't matter what Graham Cook. Graham Cook could read a recipe out of something. I go, oh, Graham. Yeah. <laughs> but it really is awesome. The life we have in Christ is absolutely awesome. What he shares and what he lifts us to is absolutely awesome. And I don't know about you, but when, when something like, boom, all of a sudden you, you get a revelation of God and you share it with someone and they're kind of like getting it too, and you're like, yeah. And then they look at you, yeah. It, it's, I, you know, God's such a, an incredible God. And he's got a sense of humor. I mean, look at us. So, I, I think we have to become intentional about this. We have to start making appointments with God. We've all heard about the marriage counseling concept of having date night and that kind of thing. Do we have a date night with God? I know we have Sundays, but I'm just talking about where it's just you and God. And do you say, I'm going to spend a little time with you. And is it more important than something else? How many people TiVo their TV shows and know what time they're all like? They, we all know what time our favorite shows come on. Do we know what time we're supposed to be with God? Now you say, well, that's so structured. What it does is it gets, gets you into a habit of being in God's presence. You can do a little burst at work, 10 minutes. Those are, actually, those are great ones. A little 10-minute things during the day. It's a little spiritual discipline I learned from somebody. But I'm just saying, walk in the authority of God. Say no. Say no a lot. Don't let people run over you because 
it's culturally and, and, and societally and oh I just yeah I'm just rather than make it no that's not some place I'm going to go or say no I don't accept this disease that's not of God no I don't accept this torment that's on me no I don't accept the, these pains I don't accept Satan attacking my child I say no I'm fighting it I say no to things of this world the systems of this world I'm going to say no to who's ever popular and who's not popular and if I don't want to watch a TV show because it's a bunch of nonsense Lucifer or whatever the show is or werewolves or so no oh you don't watch that no I don't I say no to garbage that's why it's, you put it out in the front of the house you don't put it in your house so be bold be authoritative be more and more like Christ every day that's when it gets to be fun and I'm going to tell you why it's fun because when you see Christ appear out of nowhere then, then it's fun when someone walks up to you and says something to you and you're like just read about that and it's a confirmation of you're afraid was that really God revealing something to me or was it just me and then someone says some oddball words that make no sense in any other context and you're like oh gosh and you hear that little music going doo -doo 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 -doo. but it's it's so amazing I think I've shared it before when I was a new Christian and God kept saying and I like cameras and he kept saying you need to change the aperture of the world. In other words, the opening of your lens. And I thought, okay, yeah. That might have been God. I was playing with the camera. And, I don't know. and then I'm in line at a store, and I hear some lady say something about an aperture. I go, when's the last conversation I heard of someone else having about an aperture? And so, I mean, th those are the fun things. When people come up and ask you for your advice, they go, I hope you don't mind, but you seem... You know, you're, you're like kind of spiritual, kind of religious. You know stuff, don't you? And they come and confide with you and ask. I say, yeah, I know Jesus. And they come and confide. This new job I have, I've got more 22-year-olds, 23-year-olds. When I first got there, I thought, are you kidding me? Because I, I didn't get it. And I understand now exactly what it is. They need, they, they're desperate for connection. And they're desperate for for a meaning for life. And, and they don't look at the same path that most of us did. Our meaning of life was get a college, go here, get a good job, and then get married and have four kids and then move on. It, well, I was older. Okay, two kids. So theirs is, they need a meaning to life. What, what a better missionary field than a whole bunch of people searching for a meaning to life than to show them Jesus Christ. I mean, it's just amazing. So... While they pray, well, I'm going to say, say a short prayer, and then they're going to get set up for the next song. And then we're going to spend some time in ministry. I, here's what I'd like is, as the song is singing, if you'd like a prayer about a topic, if you've got something that's cha challenging you, illness, <coughs> an, an illness or a, a condition, or you're feeling oppression, you're feeling um, you're stuck somewhere, if your relationship with God has just got stuck, you can't get out of it. Let's pray together. Let's, let's enjoy the life we have with Christ. So let's, let's take a prayer. 
short, short prayer here. Father, we're just opening up to you. We are totally open right now. In me, are you, in me you have placed a new heart and a new mind. You have blessed me with everything. There's nothing of you that you're hiding from me. You're releasing it only as I can understand it. The things you've revealed to me about have just been stunning. And I see more and more that I walked past before. Lord, let me see what you're seeing. Let me hear what you're hearing. Let me speak what you want spoken. Yes, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, Lord, in you I can hear and I can, and I can see. Because you are my God and I'm your son. And I love you, dear. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.